sommeliers or something. Episode 0053, Box Office Top 10. You've entered the Potable Picture Show, your podcast dedicated to motion pictures and drinking liquors. I'm your host, Kevin McRae, and I'm here to tell you this podcast may contain some dirty words. If you don't like dirty words, then don't listen to the Dirty Word Podcast and don't listen to the Potable Picture Show. Also, we will be covering in feature presentation the top 10 movies in the box office this week. We have Heathen back from, uh, she's finally crawled up up the balcony and has returned to do her news. And she promised to do a good job this week. She will go back in the box if she doesn't. And in celebration of Negroni Week, we will be covering the classic Negroni and Cocktail Corner. We'll also be doing a quiz about the number 10 everyone's favorite number between 9 and 11. Well, let's get today's show started and head to the VIP room above the cantina. Here we are in the VIP room above the cantina way up high in the private chambers. You know, there is a club, I can't remember it offhand, in Sacramento that has a VIP room upstairs that people like Charles Barkley go to. Um, I'm not going to sit here and think about it. I've never been up there. I have seen bands. Oh, Harlow's is the name of it. Harlow's on J Street, I believe. Joining me, returning from her swan dive off the deck into the grass. It's taken her two weeks to crawl back up and beg forgiveness. She is the head organizer of the Sierra Nevada Movie Club, and most people call her heathen. It was just one week, actually. Hmm. <laughs> it felt so nice, like two. Hmm. And also joining us, he is on his way to the land of Rocky Mountain Oysters. He is, he actually just... Uh, assistant organized this week's movie. His name is Beer Maker Matt. Hello. <laughs> so how did you? How did he just assistant organize that? He did it him. Well, you or he he hosted was, it. You're okay, right. he, hosted he assistant it. organized that's, it, that's but he hosted it. Yeah. All I did was show up. Yeah. Well, you greeted people, and I. He hosted it, and and he and he posted some stuff on the on the media. Hosted and posted. He said, "For the new people, I'm at the table," (laughs) and I pretty much liked every comment that he said. (laughs) So, anyways, Heathen is back. Matt is still here, although he's leaving. When you're coming back in about a week? 
Uh, yeah, I'll be back next weekend. What are you doing in Colorado? I'll do some backpacking and. Beer. Oh yeah, that's right. That's some high elevation right there. How yeah. rude am I? Gonna do some high elevation beer brewing too. They call that the Mile High State. It's only a couple hundred, maybe maybe a hundred higher feet than here, so Good it's Reno. not really that bad. <laughs> yeah. We have a high elevation in Reno, but we're just the biggest little city. We're the biggest little titties. We're in parody. I'm ready for this shit this time. Biggest little titties. I would say that that would probably be true for Reno because they're uh, the women here have big titties in a way, but it's hard to tell because they're all spooled down at their knees. For the next podcast, I should wear my Reno shirt. You don't even know where that shirt is. I do. I know where my shirt is. So what would your motto be for Reno instead of the biggest little city? Uh, I don't know. Didn't we do this one time? Well, I don't know. I know you have that shirt that says in Reno, I'm a 10. And then you also said I hooked up in Reno. (laughs) No, because it has two trailer. It has a boy trailer and a girl trailer and they're doing it doggy style. It's pretty cool. My motto for Reno is it's not as shitty as you thought it was. Anyway. So, heathen. Yes. Would you like to grace us? Should with I try your to redeem myself? news that is going out <laughs> instead of down. <laughs> That's not really an answer. <laughs> yes. Baseball perspectives figured out which Chicago's game Ferris, Cameron, and Sloan attended in Ferris Bueller's day off. They figured it out in back in uh, 2011 using statistics shown on screen during the game to peg the afternoon contest between the Chicago's Cubs and the Atlanta Braves on June 5th, 1985. Which is today. It is. But not 1985. <laughs> yeah, but it's today. I know. <laughs> As the Rig- Wrigley Field stand, it was the, I can't even read, I'm sorry. I, I'm not doing so good at redeeming myself already. Doing so well. Doing so good, doing so well. Back in the box. Yeah. Mother Teresa box. does good, you just do adequate. <laughs> <laughs> As the Wrigley Field stand that attracted the gang. Gang, they even uh, figured out that the foul ball Ferris caught was the hit uh, by the Atlanta right fielder Caldwell Washington on the top of the 11th inning. Caldwell Washington. I like that name. Caldwell Washington. So that's interesting because I... So 30 years ago today. I, uh, I brought up... So I do, I do have like my, I, I went about a year ago and I made my 20 top 10 current mo- films. And then I think we talked about how it's changed, how when it was, uh, even on the podcast recently, I've mentioned the vacation and bachelor party were in my top 10, but, but Ferris Bueller's Day Off was definitely one of my favorite films as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I've probably seen that movie about 18 times just cause it came out when I wasn't, that I was younger than that age. I'm not sure how old I was, but it just seemed, I was young enough to think that Ferris Bueller was the coolest guy ever. We were um, eight. And then they did the Ferris Bueller Can't Lose <laughs> TV show. It's Heathen, do you remember Do you remember Parker Lewis Can't Lose? No. 
Yeah, that was uh, so they had two TV shows that came at the same time. They had a Ferris Bueller TV show, and then they had Parker Lewis Can't Lose, which was a Ferris Bueller ripoff, but it was a better show. Yeah. I didn't really like. I mean, I remember. I didn't really like movies. I was too busy uh, no. in drama I- <laughs> and doing things. I didn't have time for TV. <laughs> I didn't like the TV spinoffs of the movies. That's what I was going to say, actually. But yes, you're right. That's totally what I would say. I didn't like that TV box. Well, there's tons of uh, movie spinoffs coming now. What did I see? There is um, a Rush Hour TV show coming out. And I won't go into any more because we are in heathen's time. I do want to point out, though, for new <laughs> listeners to our program, anytime you hear anyone say that they want to hit a baby, uh, before we hit a baby, I should mention that Heathen and I are sipping Negronis for Negroni Week for our sipping drink. And beer maker Matt looks like he has an omagong. That is the... Whoa. Omagong? <laughs> like, omagong? That that's not the three philosophers. What is that one? No, this is the Abby. It's two philosophers. Abby, is that your favorite one? Uh, no, the the three philosophers is probably my favorite from them. I'll allow you to to pour that into your cup that before you hit a baby a if you want. Bit. We'll go into Heathen's next news and then we'll hit a baby anyway. Kind of scared me a little. If you're going up playing along with us at home, anytime you hear someone mention hitting a baby, you will drink along with us. This gives you time to right now pause the program, go and grab a, bri- a beer out of your That's back a seat. Lot ahead. Heathen, please don't interrupt. Are you good at sucking head? Heathen, please don't interrupt Suck the second head. time. If you if you need time now, pause. Go ahead and grab a beer out of the fridge or out of the back seat if you're driving. And when you hear the sound, it's, time, it's okay to hit a baby. Go ahead and drink along with us. Be prepared. It is coming up soon, right after the news. <laughs> Heathen? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I was not interrupting. I wasn't sure if you were done talking. <laughs> I would like to see you on the news staring blankly into the camera coming back from commercial break. I was doing it on purpose to be a dick, okay? Uh, yeah. Up That's the- what all blondes say. Anyway. Up the ante. A new British gin, cleverly named Auntie Gin, has, you guessed it, ants thrown into the mix to the cool tune of $310 you too can taste what gin distilled with 6200 forged redwood ants taste like the ants shoot acid uh, when threatened into the wild which according to some smells similar to salt and vinegar delicious the bonus is with every bottle purchased, only 99 available, you'll get a 50 milliliter bottle of pure wood ant distillant for taste comparison. Um, you can have party tricks, cocktails. It could be used to either add more antiness, it's a made up word of course, to your gin, or bring some anti flavored into other mixed drinks. Again, there's only 99 bottles that will be produced and each containing uh, the essence of about 62 wood ants. So uh, that's that's fine to hit this baby. Heathen, give, you me fi- your, give me your uh, best fake Italian toast. Um, my best fake Italian toast. Yeah, toast, not toes. Meatballs. I don't know. That was very racist. (laughs) Thank you, Matt, for putting some effort into the podcast. Um, So, 
this ant gen i saw this on youtube you know one thing that that kind of sort of irritates me in the same way that i was talking about how i don't know if i said this on the podcast but about how people that well maybe not people but how i have a certain like um i feel a certain ownership for game of thrones because i read it way before the tv show came out so what kind of irritates me sometimes is some of the news that we do on the podcast. It comes out like a month later on Facebook from like some radio station or something. I was like, so this Aunt Jen, I probably saw this news story about a month ago, right, on YouTube. And then I saw then I saw a, a radio station posted a couple days ago. That's reminded me of it. But the, I can't remember, oh, the, 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 the company that makes the gin, they specialize in making like high quality products out of bugs. And some other company um, approached them and said that they would like to make a gin where instead of using um, fruit or whatever to get kind of that orange peel taste. I think it was orange peel. If Heathen, do you remember? It was something they said, try using ants. Let's try to get the citrus. Citrus. Orange peel, same thing. Let's try to get the citrus taste at, uh, from the ants. So it was kind of interesting. We watched on this YouTube video how they actually made it. and um, It's the Cambridge Distillery from the UK. Fantastic. And... Is it filtered after or are they just... There's just like floating... Mushed up ants. Yeah. Nice. What, the the mushed up ants are still in there? Yeah, there's 62 ants in the bottle. Yeah, I think they mentioned mentioned possibly that on the video too. It's been so long since I saw this. (laughs) Anyway, for those playing along at home... Each bottle contains about 62 ants. If you can also hit the baby in other languages. If you speak a language... Please send your clip to the Potable Picture Show by emailing potablepictureshow at gmail.com with your foreign language version of hitting a baby. Here is Spanish. Oh, yeah. Está bien pegarle a ese bebé. Mmm, that's a Negroni. A Breaking Bad themed cocktail bar where drinkers can cook their own cocktails in a converted RV is coming to London this summer. The pop-up, which will launch in July, is inspired by the popular Netflix show. It will be named ABQ, Albuquerque, New Mexico. It features gas masks, spoke, and equipment familiar to your chemistry classes. The bar will be open for approximately three months from July and will serve from 7 a.m. to 1. More details and a location are yet to be announced, but you can register and be notified when tickets will become available by signing up online. Meth out, don't miss out. And I guess there's nowhere to look it up, but I, if you Google... Meth. ABQ... <laughs> it will find you. Nice. Um, Have you heard about this? So many. No, I did hear uh-huh. that there is a Flintstones themed uh, amusement park and campgrounds for sale in Arizona. Second, my porn parody for Breaking Bad would be called Breaking Hymen. And my third thing I wanted to say. Oh, on Netflix now they have the Spanish uh, version. You know how some we usually rip off of their shows. Apparently, there's a Spanish version of of Breaking Bad that's 62 episodes. It's on Netflix. I did not watch it, but it only had two stars, so I imagine it's not that great because the American Breaking Bad I think has like five stars on there. Heathen, is that your news? That's my news. That was better Italian than your meatballs thing. <laughs> Give it another try. Can't really do Italian. That's Italiano. The... Well, I thought she was just gonna pretend to speak Italian, like Giuseppe. What? 
Fungula Samonte. See, Kevin's mm. speaking real Italian because he's using his hands a lot. <laughs> That's the Italian. <laughs> and I'm wearing designer underwear. That's not true. I'm not wearing any underwear. I was going to say that's. I was wearing underwear right. earlier. Shut up. Oh, you weren't. So it was. That's right, because you're wearing shorts. That's right. Get the weird thwarts. All right, heathen. Let's go into Cocktail Corner. I see America drinking the fabulous cocktails I make. America's getting yeah. stinking on something I stir or shake. Have a drink! <laughs> So this week, in celebration of Negroni Week, we are going to tackle the classic Negroni. On Monday, I went to a, uh, it was called Booze School, and we, it was it was lengthy. It, it covered more than just making a Negroni, which is rather easy. Um, but they went over the history of Campari, uh, the flavor components in Campari. We had some foods. We met some people. This was sort of a Yelp event, so it was all right. We are going to make the very basic classic Negroni. It's one of the easiest things to do and easy to remember because it has three ingredients and all ingredients are in equal parts. So the first ingredient, of course, is Campari, which is an Italian liqueur. No one knows what it's made from because it has a secret formula, but you can taste things like, um, like bitter orange, maybe some licorice, a little bit of mint. It's got a nice red color. Up. Speaking of bugs, apparently uh, in the old days, Campari, the coloring came from beetles. I learned that. Not not the Fab Four, but crustaceous insects. The second ingredient is gin. Um, all of these are going to be, like I said, equal parts. So if you're making this for yourself, it'd be one ounce, one ounce, one ounce. I'm just going to dump in equal parts for us to share. They used death, Death's Door Gin when I was there. They recommended to have a gin that maybe isn't as smooth as others because Campari has a lot of flavor components mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. So you want something that can stand up to Campari without laying down. This gin I've never had before. It's called Maxim's Gin. It's from Paris. It's actually relatively smooth for a gin I, I found. I've never had it before. Um, and then the last ingredient is sweet vermouth. So one ounce a Campari, one ounce gin, one ounce sweet vermouth. I uh, was a little surprised. You don't see a whole lot of drinks with sweet vermouth in it. Uh, vermouth is basically a, a kind of a fortified wine. Um, they did mention a lot of different uh, variations to do, especially with the vermouth being that it's a fortified wine. You could use something like port or sherry, which is very similar. With Negroni Week going on here in Reno and nationwide, they said all the places participating uh, were doing different versions of Negronis. Some of them weren't even using Campari. Because um, I guess the idea of Negroni Week isn't necessarily to do the the classic Negroni, but to play off of bitter. Because Negroni is a, a somewhat bitter cocktail. And to kind of celebrate bitterness. Because we don't, we don't have a whole lot of bitter drinks too much. So for me... It still kind of tastes sweet to me. There is, because there is a lot of sugar in the Campari, mm-hmm. being, yeah. being a liqueur. Uh, Campari is also an aperitif, so it'll help you digest your food. Uh, what else was I going to say about the Negroni? Oh, one thing that I'm missing today is the way they had us do it was to flame a little orange on top. And they said to use matches and not a lighter, just like when you go to sushi and they use the little butane torch and then everything tastes like butane instead of just like, um, 
the intention of uh, toasted or whatever. Instead, it just because I do, I do, I know Heathen likes is very um, pure and likes everything very raw. I, I I do like some some variations and texture variations, and I don't mind things cooked. I I typically don't like the heated rolls because they do taste like butane. There is um, some sushi places that that I've been to in Sac that don't do that. Where they like wrap it in foil and they'll put it in yeah, like a really they'll wrap that. it in like a Quin, uh, a Quiznos oven or something. I've got this really messed up here. Um, also, people has said so. I've said that it's equal parts for um, the ingredients that go into Negroni. Mine won't be equal parts because uh, I just didn't measure it out equally. But they said a lot of people have preference. They prefer more gin and less Campari. Campari, would, yeah, Campari is a that. very difficult. Um, from what they were describing, people that drink a lot of Campari or Campari drinks, there was actually a guy there that had a little red, uh, like Miata, that said uh, Campari on the license plate. He just came to show up. There was also some other pretty cool people in the audience. Even there was some people. Remember when we went to that uh, science museum food thing and they cut up the pig. Um, those guys from Campo were there in the audience, and that oh, was kind of fun to have because they were chefs, so they could taste. The one guy was so good since they, no one really knows what's in um, Campari. That chef, though, he could like totally pick out all kinds of things, whatever we tasted, which is something I cannot do. But anyway, um, some people that do drink a lot of Negronis call out that they want more or less of a certain ingredient. Did you actually get to meet Michael this time? Was he there? Michael T? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I met him before. He actually... He's, Here's one cool thing about Michael T. I don't want to talk. We can talk about this. I know, I I'll say it real quick is that he always knows who I am when I show up, which mm-hmm. is just so weird to me because here's an interesting story. So I'm a, I'm a trainer uh, with my job. And by the way, I gave my notice on Thursday. So I have one week left with my job. If any, of the, listeners, if any of the listeners out there know of anyone that needs a stunt drinker or someone that likes to lay around naked, um, I will do that. But I just did a training class. And I brought the students to their new team, and um, this is a team that I'd already trained other people on. So about three weeks ago, I'd already trained people for this team. At the end of this little meeting, one of the girls that I was in my class three weeks ago, class of 10, not a whole lot of people, she came up to me and said, I know you. And I said, yeah. She said, didn't our kids go camping together and -and so-and-so? And I was like, no. You're in my training class three weeks ago. She's like, no, no, I think we went on a school trip. We went on the school. She kept describing the school trip, and I was like, no, you were in my training class three weeks ago. That's how unmemorable I am to people, and why it's very impressive that the um, head of the Reno Yelp chapter, Michael T, um, as soon as I showed up, he said, Kevin, here's your here's your name badge. Well, also because he always remembers like us together, but I keep missing him. <laughs> well, I've always been in that situation where um, any friends, uh, guy, either guys or girls, uh, people always remember who they are. They never remember me. That's why I should either be a spy or just like a, a criminal. I'm kind of a star and people remember me. Um, That's why I shouldn't be doing anything like illegal or whatever. Because they'll be like, oh, that's her for uh, sure. So on this on this Negroni I made, I went I went uh, pretty light on the sweet vermouth. I'm gonna go shake it in a minute, but before I, I'm gonna step away from the sound equipment to shake it. Before I do that, I'm going to talk about. I actually have either of you guys had a Negroni before? Uh, not that I can recall. Not until before, tonight. Have you ever had Campari with anything before? 
I have. I can't yes. remember with what. But. I think Kaya like liked to soak strawberries or something in Kapari. I think that's the only time I've had it. I actually have had a Negroni once before. There's a bar in Sacramento called Shady Lady, which is kind of like 1864 some of the bars here that kind of go towards like the classic cocktails and they try to do it in the, the they're the mixologists you know the dudes that have the um bow tie and the douchey mustaches i would say it's a little less than 1864 because we were there but yes i agree um yeah but they dress in period costumes at shady lady Anyway, uh, I had a Negroni there, but I'd always, that, that that's the only time I had it, because honestly, and this is a stupid thing, I was always embarrassed of, of ordering it before, because of the name, I was afraid I was going to mispronounce it and piss someone off. <laughs> Even today in my training, or uh, in one of my training classes or something, I was like, I went to a Negroni party, and people are like, what? <laughs> are you being racist right now? I'm like, no. Now that everyone has their Negroni in their hand... Let's find something to cheers to. Let's wish happy travels to Beer Maker Matt. Let's wish future... Happy travels to you, because you're going to be getting a new job. Will I? Are you a fortune teller? <laughs> I am. Don't you know me? Clink. Cheers. We'll just do this. you're getting still getting gin oh yeah see i'm getting a lot of the uh campari still because of campari oh that's right you don't like gin nobody well most people don't like gin i do but um but people some people but that's not necessarily true like okay so the cocktail council that Matt and I went to, the first drink that came out was a gin cocktail, and all these people said, I don't like gin. I don't like gin. And they're like, wow, I really, that was like most people's favorite drink, a drink that wasn't on the menu. It um, had like champagne in it yeah. and some other stuff too. I'm so glad we don't have to listen to, to the bullshit people across the way anymore and talk about their shitty alcohol experiences anymore. What? Just the, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really enjoy listening to um, people that are un... I don't want to say uneducated, but unexperienced talking about certain things. So, I don't want to... You know, and I'm one of those people a lot of the time, but I, I notice when I hear a lot of like young people talk about alcohol... These people aren't young that either talking about. They're just white trash. But um, like young... And Asian trash. Like young people will talk about... Uh, certain certain drinks like they're experts and it'll be kind of funny and i was like i wonder mm-hmm. if i ever talked like that actually it reminds me i put a picture on facebook i found a bunch of old tapes of recordings i made uh, of songs and stuff in high school and i found a tape where i was just uh, hit record and we were just talking this was back when beavis and butthead was still on mtv <laughs> and i i make some pretty stupid claims so yeah i was one of those people we were drinking like peach um beer being a teenager or like a a super young adult like 22 you can't be like well i think yeah but when people are so confident about it though it's always entertaining like well i know some people maybe they don't uh aren't necessarily that confident they're just faking confident to fit in for example took a long time to get my brother to go wine tasting because he was a lot like me but more so where he thought that if you go wine, well, okay, wine, I don't know what wine tasting is like in Napa, but in Northern California, it's fairly relaxed, and there's still good wine. 
he thought that people were going to make fun of him. It was going to be a bunch of people in like cum- cummerbunds and like their pinkies out and stuff like that. He's like, I'm not going down there. So we finally went down there and he took a little tour of the, uh, of the little winery. And then they were doing um, what they call futures or something where you, you're taking samples out of the barrel before they're ready. So apparently my brother doesn't realize that almost or pretty much all wine is aged in a barrel. So when he was tasting it, he told the person, you can really taste the wood in this. <laughs> and I was just thinking, which, you know, you could probably say for some things like Chardonnays and stuff like that. But I, I don't think in most wine, and this wasn't a Chardonnay. This was like just like a red table wine. You can really taste the wood in this. It's like fantastic. <laughs> well, he was just trying. The thing with me is um, I'm kind of like with taste the way Matt is with names. Like as soon as someone calls out like what like a, a, a flavor in something, I was like, oh, I totally get that now. Yeah. I totally didn't get that before. That's why I like to go with Tim. Yeah, he's good at that. With the, with the Campari thing, they did that too. They did an interesting thing with the Campari too where they had us um, breathe in real deeply three times. They said the first scent you get from an, an alcohol is the alcohol smell. The alcohol's poison, so that's the first thing that hits our brain is like that danger aspect. Once you sniff it three times, it's supposed to kind of wash that out. Then they And, and they had us um, breathe it in with our mouth open too, and I guess that more like saturates your all of your senses with it. And then they had us just drop like a little drop on our on our tip of our tongue, then a little drop in the middle of our tongue, and then swish it around. And I was noticing things, but until like the like old lady next to me or other people like pointed it out, I was like, oh yeah, okay, I get that now. <laughs> like all I was getting was like very basic things, like sweet, bitter. I wasn't getting like oh coriander and but stuff I, like I that. I think I think though that if you were going to train yourself and do these things then you would start to pick it up well some people do have a better sense of taste than others even super tasters yeah i mean well even besides that like i do think i don't have a particularly strong sense of taste or smell compared to some other people and i don't smoke which is weird because that's the first thing that dies when you smoke i just it's just like anything else you've got people that have more sensation in their fingers because they got mm-hmm. more nerve endings the same thing with tongue you know you you have more uh taste sensors or i don't know what they're called but and, on your tongue and people that have perfect taste pitch buds? like i taste buds is actually a real thing but yeah but like nerves or concentration yeah. nerves or whatever but it's got to be something like that but it's like i've trained myself where when I'm tuning my guitar, I know what like E and A is. I'm pretty good at that. But it's not because of anything with my hearing. It's because of doing it for so long. But there are some people that are born with perfect. You can't teach perfect pitch. You can try to learn it. but. So speaking of perfect pitch, can we talk about the corn parody? Of <laughs> no, not yet. That is in feature oh, presentation. In feature presentation, we will be going over <laughs> the current box office top 10 list. First, we will be doing a quiz. Heathen, what is your favorite number? Sixty-nine on a midget, because that's the same size as me. If I do sixty-nine on a regular person, I'll just be licking their navel. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Anyway, is that your answer? (laughs) That wasn't heathen, by the way. That was me talking. I'm a master impressionist. (laughs) I would say like three. Like three, because of Dale Earnhardt Jr.? Yeah. No, Dale Earnhardt. Hello. Oh. 
sorry I'm not white trash and I don't watch fucking NASCAR. I'm not white trash either. Thank you. I'm from Texas. I drink my booze out of a martini glass. <laughs> Matt, Matt, what's your favorite you number? You are so not getting... Anyway. Eight. Eight. Why is your number eight? Eight's a good number. Eight's a, a, I think, a lucky number in a lot of Asian cultures. It's infinity. Yeah. Oh, nice. My lucky number, even though I'm not playing, is not lucky number, but favorite number. It's one, because I only care about myself. No, I've never liked one. That's probably not up there at all. Um, 13, because of my birthday. because I like to talk about poo. (laughs) Anyway, it is 13, because it's my birthday, and also I like the number 17. between one and 10? I didn't say between one and 10. Are you just making up? Are you listening to the ghost in the corner now? Didn't he? No. No. I just said favorite number. (laughs) So... Heathen is number three. Matt is number eight. If you know the answer to this question, ring in. Um, here's a pen if you need to keep score. We have not done a quiz for a while. Let's do a sample question so everyone knows what we're doing. Um, what is today? The fifth. Eight. Eight? The fifth. The fifth is correct. It's Friday. <laughs> I would have accepted Friday as well. Okay, so I don't have a pen. Just you guys can share, or Matt can keep score for both of you. Okay, Matt. I don't have the how uh, do you want to play a game sounder right now, but anyway, this game. Do you want to play a game? <laughs> nice job as a robot. That's the most life you've probably ever had. Anything you said. The reason we are doing a quiz around the number 10 is later in future presentation, we'll be covering the top 10 box office movies. A lot of things on the podcast, we deal with the number three and the number five. I don't know why, we just do. This is the number 10. If you know the answer, ring in with your call-in, heathen. These rules found in Exodus and Deuteronomy. I drank a little bit too much Negroni. No. Deuteronomy. Yeah. (laughs) These rules found in Exodus and Deuteronomy are considered a cornerstone of Judaism and Christianity. Uh, Say it again. Eight. Three. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Let me uh, repeat the rules real quick. Say it again. All of these questions have to do with the number 10. The question. Let me repeat. All of these answers have to do with the number 10. Here's the first question. Three. The Ten Commandments. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I like that Matt's answer was just three. Yeah. I don't know what that meant. He only, he only believes in three commandments. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't even say command. He's just like three. Okay. Again, all of the this is like celebrity jeopardy. Okay. Question. This this question honestly, this may be the hardest question. Did you mark mine down? Because I have two. You have Matt. one. The first one was an example question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I got it right first. Yeah, and Matt got it right. Damn, what a fucking cheater. The second question, honestly, I think is maybe the hardest question on here, but don't let it psych you out. It sounds like that Matt may know his <laughs> numbers. <laughs> At least he knows the number three. <laughs> okay. Give me any three any three of the ten plagues called out in the book of Exodus and also in the Quran? Eight. Uh, Eight. Any three uh, plagues out of the ten plagues? There were ten plagues. Give me three of them. The locusts. Locusts is one. Uh, fog, uh, frogs falling Fro- from the sky. Frogs is two. 
um, and the River of Blood or uh, Ocean of Blood. I will take that. That is very good. I will give you the ten plagues. They are water into blood, frogs, lice, wild animals, possibly flies, diseased livestock, boils, thunderstorm of hail and fire, locusts, darkness, and death of the firstborn. Those were the ten plagues of Egypt or the biblical ten plagues. I was going to say lice, and that was it. (laughs) Ah, That's good. I didn't know the lice one. I probably wouldn't know any of them, but... Like if people would have mentioned them, I, I might I might have gotten um, I would have gotten locusts, and that's probably it. Okay, number three, in the song, the twelve days of Christmas. What is the gift on the tenth day? Three, ten lords a leaping. Ten lords a leaping is correct. Question thrown in there for Christmas, Christmas time. Girl. Yeah. <laughs> Question number four. Very unnatural about that. That's my superpower is Christmas. Uh, This isn't very funny, so I won't talk about it, but it involves someone trying to kill themselves. Anyway, on to the thing. Had to do with killing themselves with aspirin, and and I was saying if they got the superpower of never getting a headache after eating ice cream anymore. I thought it was hilarious. So anyway, number four. This is the combined event in athletics consisting of 10 track and field events. The uh, three? Three. Triathlon? Triathlon involves the number three. Oh. <laughs> you are on the right track. If Beer Maker Matt can uh, come up with the ten events. Oh, oh it's... Don't say it. it Don't say it. You're out. No, I'm not. Three, two, one. It. The answer is decathlon. They have it in Tahoe. God. <laughs> Number five. At least I was close. Can I get half a point? Nope. <laughs> Number five. How many pro- provinces are there in Canada? Three. Three. Ten. Ten. <laughs> I was like, that can't be that easy. <laughs> yep. Number six. This was the tenth state to enter the Union. Three. It's a tough question, but you guys can guess. Three. Mm-hmm. The answer is not three. Three. Give us your answer. Three, two, one. Say something. Ohio. Bunk. Okay, nope. Beer Maker Matt, want to take a stab at it? I will say... Delaware. Shut the fuck up. Just kidding, but shut the fuck up. (laughs) Beer Maker Matt! Uh, Need your answer. Michigan. The answer is Virginia. Motherfucker, I knew it was one of those over there. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was one of them. And like, you went with Ohio? No, because you were pushing me, and I hate that. Well, there was 13 original colonies. Yeah, so it was, for, yeah, it was, I'm like, Virginia, Delaware. I was trying All to right. think. Number seven. What's the score right now, Big Maker Matt? Me. Uh, yeah, three to one. <laughs> three to one, okay. Still anyone's <laughs> game. This bad boy basketball player played for the Bulls, the Lakers, and the Mavericks. He also played for the Spurs and the Pistons, where his jersey bore the number 10. He also starred alongside Jean-Claude Van Damme in the 1997 film Double Team. Uh, oh my god. Why am I doing this to myself? Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Five, four, three, three. three. Uh, um... 
oh my god come on why am i doing this shakisha lynn is gonna kill me beer maker matt you can't do that beer maker matt dennis rodman dennis rodman is correct i fucking hate you you can't do that when i'm trying to talk time limit you can't go three two one i can't wait forever either number eight then i expect you to do that i did other party over here his name is Beer Maker Matt. I would appreciate if you called him by his name. <laughs> Number eight. This 1979 romantic comedy titled 10 starred Dudley Moore and Julie Andrews. Who was the iconic beauty? Who was the 10? Do you guys know the film 10? Yeah. I'm just going to count now. I don't. The answer is Bo Derek. Uh. Bo Derek was in 10. I don't. I believe her film debut. You don't know who Bo Derek is? I know who Bo Derek is, but I don't know the movie. Do you know that Bo Diddley died? No. Do you know who Bo Jackson is? Mr. Bo... No. Jangles? So you know <laughs> that some was Bo. a song. <laughs> That's why I said no. All right. Question number nine. 10. 10 was the 1991 debut album of what grunge band? Uh... Three. Yes. Nirvana? Incorrect. Nirvana had Bleach. I don't know what they had before Bleach. And then they had Nevermind. Yeah. What year was it again? 1991. The debut album of what grunge band? Their debut album was called Ten. Green Day? Incorrect. The answer is Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. Oh, Pearl Jam, oh, man. Question number 10. Jakeisha's going to hate me for that, too. <laughs> this camping structure cannot be spelled without 10. Three. Three. Tent. Good job. I win. <laughs> Let's hit a baby. <laughs> That's fine to hit this baby. Heathen, did you get this? Did Matt, did, what was the final score? Four to two. Me. Me is not an answer. Let's head into... Matt, I did not see you take a sip. Take a sip. Two he heathen. Like it. Oh, well, she didn't have to Let sip that. He could have drank the beer. I'll drink yours. Anyway, we'll head into feature presentation. I'll drink yours. Because then I don't have to go that way. Heathen goes both ways. Beer maker Matt may have found a ant crack- in his. Well, I thought it was a Cracker Jack prize. What is it? Is it just something from the cork? No. Are you sure it's a? It could be a cork. There's like chunks coming out of it. It's a cork. It's got to be part of the cork. Look at the cork. Oh, that is definitely some fungus or something. I'm gonna stop the recording for a minute so we can investigate <laughs> this problem. All the time. And now we're back. We had to get Beer Maker Matt a stunt beer. Apparently, the Omagong beer that he had... Has Omagong uh, creepy crawlies in it. Yeah. Pretty gross. I asked if it was cork, and apparently it was just an herb garden made completely of fungus. (laughs) So I got him an Anchor Steam. Um, So far, game one of the NBA Finals, 
with the Warriors versus the Cavaliers. Every time I've drank it at Anchor Steam, the Warriors have won. Anchor Steam, of course, being from San Francisco. I will have to buy more Anchor Steam for Game 2. Anyway, here in feature presentation, we typically go over a film that we saw with the Sierra Nevada Movie Club. We still will be doing that of sorts, but we are taking a twist on that. We are going to give our general thoughts on the current box office top 10, whether we've seen these movies or not. I am taking these figures from Wednesday. That was the figures that were out. I did not have figures from Thursday. We are recording on a Friday, and we'll be adjusting the top 10 in reverse order. From the crust, number 10, to the cream, number 1. So we are going to start, number 10, with the film Home. It is at 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. I have not seen this film. Heathen, have you seen Home? Nope. The animation starring Jim Parsons and Rihanna. Disappointing, because it actually looked good from the previews. I want to see it. Yeah, I know Heathen want to see it. I did not care for it at all. Part of it, and this is just me, so I'm outnumbered here in that I do not like the Big Bang Theory, and one of my least favorite things about the Big Bang Theory is Jim Parsons. Uh, especially when he was on Saturday Night Live, he's just like, he can only play one character, which is basically the character he plays on Big Bang Theory. Although, Heathen did see that movie on HBO about all the gay guys. He was different on that, actually. I kind of liked him in that, even though I couldn't watch that show. The reason why I wanted to see the movie is because it reminded me of Lilo and Stitch. I like Lilo and Stitch. And that's the reason why I wanted to see it. That was a Disney film. This was from Fox. Fox is not very good. Well, I don't know. Just I think the preview. It would take me back to it because I thought it was such a cute movie. But it was interesting to have Rihanna. I don't know how strong of a character she was. I like Rihanna a lot. I don't know how good of a voice actress she could be to carry a film. Um, I could see how Jim Parsons, his voice could be good for animation because he does have kind of an interesting voice. I just did not. The, the movie just did not look great to me. The only thing that I would suggest is that. Um, or the only thing that I ask is that when we do the porn parody, that I want to be number three because I did some thinking this time. Okay. Like I really tried this time. Here was the um, little, like Rotten Tomatoes does like a really ble- brief blurb on, on, on once they've given something a Rotten Tomatoes score. This is what they said about home. Colorful, silly, and utterly benign. Home is a passable diversion but there's no shortage of superior animated alternatives. So basically they're saying, like, you could watch it. It's nothing bad with it. It's just everything else is better. Um, I, I do have some coworkers that saw it and really liked it. Just, I don't know. Maybe maybe I, I would have liked it. I did read that um, Jim Parsons annoyed the fuck out of Rihanna during recording because he insisted on singing to her all of her songs all the time. Which has just got to be weird coming from anyone, and I imagine coming from him would be even extra he annoying. Was, he probably was starstruck. and He did say he was. He says that he doesn't get really starstruck, and he said that he's not wasn't necessarily starstruck with Rihanna. He just, that's like his favorite music. I so. said it. I it, There you go. So, so anyway, anything think- else? Oh, porn parody for Home. I went with the obvious choice of Bone. Mm-hmm. Matt, was that Bone? Anything different? Heathen, probably anus. Uh, no tell, ho tell. I went the opposite. You're having sex at home. You're going to the no tell hotel. Wow, that is a pretty intellectual <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you guys want to say about home? All right. Let's go on to number nine. 
Far from the Maddening Crowd. This is number nine on the box office. It is a total of nine million. It is 85% on the Rotten Tomatoes meter. It is the one that came out on the strong lead coming uh, in our last movie poll, and then San Andreas passed it up. I was a little surprised at that because I'd never heard of this movie before. Apparently that there are many versions of this movie already out. It's like a Victorian-type period drama. So this was the latest version. I have notes on it somewhere. Uh, Based on the literary classic by Tom Hardy, Thomas Hardy, Far From the Maddening Crowd is the story of an independent, beautiful, and headstrong woman who attracts three very different suitors. A sheep farmer a handsome and reckless sergeant and a prosperous and mature bachelor. This timeless story about choices and passions explores the nature of relationships and love, as well as the human ability to overcome hardships through resilience and perseverance. I actually don't know anything about this movie. I don't think I've ever seen a preview for it. I don't think I've seen a preview either, but it sounds like something I would want to watch. Yeah, and and showing why it got voted on. It's just very interesting. (laughs) Of course, Matt laughs, because I want to watch everything. Well, the thing I like about this, not that I wanted to see this movie, although I think it has one of the higher Rotten Tomato scores on here, is that it still shows that a a simple, non-blockbuster-type summer movie can still break, you know, can still compete. You know, this movie is up here in the top ten alongside of films like San Andreas and Age of Ultron, so... You know, a lot of these executives, Hollywood executives, don't know what they're doing. Like Ex Machina, which we're not going to talk about. Just this little film that came out of nowhere. Or It Follows. I was reading that they may make a a sequel to it, but they never expected to because they didn't expect it to do anything. Just all of a sudden it blew up. Anyway, anything you guys want to say about Far From the Manning Crowd from Fox Searchlight? Nope. Do you have a porn parody for Far From the Manning Crowd? I do. Do you? Yes. Mine is... Come on the maddening crowd. Matt? Mm, no. I have a far inside medicine's row. <laughs> where does Matt where does row come from? Well, crow from crowd. And you medicine sh- sounds like a four name. <laughs> yeah, no, I got the Madison part. Maddening Madison, that makes sense. Row. That is your brain. Your your brain works in mysterious ways. To quote you too. <laughs> well, I'm just <laughs> just trying to think, and you know, that would be something I would. Want. <laughs> you would want to see that. I don't know. That would just be a a title. That come, would be an interesting title. What is it? Come come inside Madison Row. Far inside. Come far inside Madison Row. No, so she's. Far inside. Madison's oh, far row. inside Madison. Okay, that's better. Yeah. What would this film be about? How far inside Madison's row do you want to go? Let's look deep inside. Gross. It, now it's become one of those. Wide. Now it's become so, one of those Japanese yeah. porns where they get like the scalpels out. Why not does the scalpel, it have to be Japanese? Well, because she was white. Okay. Madison Rose White. Yes. Yeah, she sounds white. She's white. It's long, luscious brown hair. I didn't say Madison Suzuki. I said Madison Rowe. <laughs> okay, number eight from Fox Pictures, Poltergeist. It has a 32% on Rotten Tomatoes. We saw Poltergeist at the drive-in. Um, my feelings on Poltergeist was, actually, overall, I didn't think it was a horrible movie. I thought it was a kind of decent PG movie. Okay, I didn't it think it was great. Scary. 
I thought it went along with a lot of the movies like Conjuring and some of those movies have come out as far as that. What I did, and also I liked some Sam Rockwell a lot in this film. He was a, uh, I just basically because I was trying not to critique the movie too much because sometimes I don't like it when people, and I do this, and I am going to do it now, uh, the movie just wasn't acceptable comparing it to the original. Even though the original could have been redone because of the effects, they just did not take enough from the original and do it better. Um, so I was trying not to compare that when I was watching it. I was trying to compare the other things. I thought that Sam Rockwell did some great acting, even though he did not dance in it. Um, as Heathen said, it wasn't scary, because it, it wasn't. It was a PG movie. It's hard to make PG scary. Although, like I said, the first Poltergeist was PG. But, you know, if you watch it now... It may not be scary if you watch it in modern times. The first Poltergeist was scary to me. Yeah, but when did you see it? Like I said, I saw it when I was like four. It scared the shit out of me. I don't know if I could scare me now, though. I'm surprised it was PG. I mean, Tomorrowland probably would have scared me when I was four. (laughs) So, Beer Maker Med, any thoughts on Poltergeist, the remake? Yeah, it was... I, I wouldn't call it like a homage to the original. It was far from it, and it... Definitely was lacking. Uh, I mean, the the one thing that I was expecting them to, to carry over as like a homage was, you know, the little girl with her famous line, and it was just flat. I mean, I... I yeah, I, that I, was bad. At first... I even I remember that. At first, I didn't think they were going to do it, and that pissed me off, and then she did it, and I'm kind of glad in some ways that she said it that way, because they definitely... It's sort of like... When, so, the best example I can think of this is, like, you know, I've auditioned for plays and done plays before, and a lot of these plays they've done movie versions of, so I was like, okay, I don't want to go in and, like, total copy, like, this famous actor that did this, I'm going to try to do the opposite, sort of, so I think that's kind of what they try to do, although I do wish that that's the one thing they stuck to. Because that's probably the most to, mm-hmm. famous thing. The most famous thing from that movie is that line and the TV. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're going to redo a movie almost, you know, scene for scene or not scene for scene, but, you know, pretty pretty damn close, then at least do the most famous thing that yeah. was in that movie. I see. Yeah. I, I mean, mm-hmm. that's pretty much what I think is that if this movie stood on its own without the original, it still wouldn't have been great. People would have said it's not scary. But uh, someone pointed Everybody out... he was waiting for that line. And I don't remember this because it's been so long since I saw it, but a, but apparently a lot of people have pointed out the... Uh, the uh, not the soundtrack, what, the score. The score to the original, I guess, was really good. Which reminds me of a news story I read today about one of the most famous film composers. has said that uh, film composing has just gone straight downhill. And he says, not just because... He said a lot of it has to do with dipshit directors that think they could just play something on their Casio. But he said also a lot of directors they don't spe- specifically don't want the score to be too powerful because they don't want people to say, oh, well, that was only dramatic because of the music. But if you go back to a lot of these classic movies like, you know, going Jaws, Jaws um, you know, some of the, uh, the like the, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, Henry, oh, that's Henry Mancini for that, I think. E. John Williams. Right? John Williams is the guy from that. Yeah. Oh, uh, porn parody for Poltergeist. My porn parody is Poltergeist, but spelled P-O-L-E. 
poltergeist. I've, I've beat you. Okay, Heathen, what's going to be your weird porn parody? Pole in her vice. Pole in her vice. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Is this like a bondage thing or a S&M? What's the story behind pole in her vice? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Number seven on the list. Again, these are ranked in order from how much money they brought in on Wednesday, not overall. Number seven is Aloha from Sony Columbia Pictures. Heathen and I saw this. We did a Hawaiian-themed sushi and then went and saw Aloha, even though... Oh, I should point out uh, Poltergeist, 32% Rotten Tomatoes. Aloha, 20% Rotten Tomatoes. Not very good. It was getting slammed. This was a movie originally I did want to see because I like Cameron Crowe. I don't mind that he does really sappy movies, but again, going back to early films that I really enjoyed that may not be my top 20 list anymore, but I I really liked the film um, Almost Famous. That was one of the movies I bought when DVDs were still like 30 bucks. Um, Of course... I really liked that movie too. Jerry Maguire. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has some other films. So... I knew somewhat what I was getting in for. Cameron Crowe does very kind of sentimental films. I mean, everyone knows Jerry Maguire, and if you go back and rewatch it, it's on Netflix right now. It's really... Actually, there's a lot of similarities. I, Even though I, I always call out people talking in the theater, as soon as Aloha came on, I told Heathen, this is almost how Jerry Maguire starts. Aloha had some backlash before I saw the movie, besides supposedly being a bad movie. It was... Um, criticized by Hawaiians for being for whitewashing Hawaii. It was also criticized, and I pointed this out on Facebook, for Emma Stone playing an Asian. Now, both of these, I think, are totally shitty and um, exaggerated. And a Hawaiian. And I think it's pretty shitty that Cameron Crowe came out and apologized for uh, casting Emma Stone as an Asian. Now, the true story is... Emma Stone does not play an Asian. She plays someone that is one quarter Hawaiian, one quarter Chinese, and half Swiss. And Cameron Crowe said she is based on a real life person that he met that was one quarter Hawaiian that went out of but that looked very white that went out of her way all the time to mention that she was Hawaiian because she felt that she didn't fit in that that um because she didn't look Hawaiian, she had to speak all the time. So Emma Stone specifically was not supposed to look Asian or Hawaiian in any way. Mm-hmm. Also, the reason he chose one quarter uh, Chinese was to symbolize that Hawaii is kind of a mixing of different cultures, not just Hawaiian and white. But there's there's a shitload of Vilip, uh, Vilip, Filipinos in yeah. Hawaii as well. What do you need, Helen? You can just say to me. Did you want one? Oh, yeah. If you're going to make one, go ahead and make me a Negroni. So growing up, I had a, one of my best friends. His name was Daniel Kahava'ela'a. That's Hawaiian, I would uh, say. And his he was a tall, geeky white guy. Mm. Uh, Interesting. So he did not look Asian or Hawaiian at all. Um uh, it gets a little Asian-ish. His, his, so his grandfather was Japanese, and his grandmother was Pennsylvania Dutch, um, and they met in Hawaii, obviously. Yeah, so he then were talking a little bit about this multiracial thing, so I was saying, 
usually with multiracial people, you can tell there's something, although a lot of times it's hard to tell. But again, not always. Like, he then was talking about a coworker that we both had that was a little bit of everything, and most people just thought she was Mexican, but she was Asian. I work with a girl that is half Filipino and half black, and mostly just looks black, but she speaks Tagalog like 100% perfect. You can't always judge people by what they look like. I mean, just that's how DNA and genetics work. Um, if you are a European mutt, like a lot of Americans, then it's you know a little bit easier. Yeah. You're just a white dude, although you can you can still tell they're probably American. I I didn't really haven't had a lot of experience with Europeans until I went to China, and usually I usually could differentiate Americans from Europeans by based on looks just because uh, Europeans are much sharper generally in their features. Um, Americans are kind of blended. And what I mean by that is sharp noses, sharp chins, sharp jaw lines. Just in the features. I mean, also in mannerisms and clothing sometimes you can tell. But just by looking at someone, you could say you have European-ish features. Because, I mean, Americans are mutts for the most part. I'm I'm definitely a mutt. There are some people here that are like, I'm 90% Irish. I was like, well, okay, well. You know, I've got a little bit of everything in me at one time or another. America, including Hawaii, is a mixing pot. Yeah. Um, doesn't Hawaii have like 12 letters and nine of them are vowels or something yeah. like that? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and one thing I talked about that, again, I thought, Heathen, you can give me your thoughts. So Hawaiian said that they whitewashed this movie similar yeah, to the... De- so, no, Matt, did you see... Uh, okay, wait. Matt, did you see the film The Descendants? It won an Academy Award for Best yeah. Writing. That one got accused for the same thing. And for that movie, I could see that because basically it was based around white people in Hawaii. However, I was expecting the same thing in this film. And he then tell me your thoughts on on that aspect. No. I don't think so at all. Um, they had uh, mostly Hawaiian people. Mm-hmm. Um, Even the king of Hawaii mm-hmm. himself played himself yeah. in the Wasn't film. Wasn't it mainly the king based of Hawaii. around like, one of the bases or something, too? It was. Yeah, the king of Hawaii played himself. And one of the first scenes in the movie, they're talking about a Hawaiian legend or a myth. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they did. And a big driving factor in the conflict of the movie has to do with um, Hawaii. Well, first, the, the king of Hawaii, he wears a shirt through the whole film that says um, American. I don't know what does it say. Uh, Hawaiian, Hawaiian by birth, American by force or something okay, like that. Yeah. She works through the whole film. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bu- bunch of conflict about the king talks about, well, I didn't really like when the military came in, but like you did me okay, but you better not fuck me over here. And then they end up fucking him over. I mean, a lot of it was really, I, it, they said that they whitewashed Hawaii, but this movie couldn't have taken place in like Alabama or Los mm-hmm. Angeles. It had to take place in Hawaii. Yeah. So that really kind of fucking bothered me about that. Well, he... He Kevin didn't want to see the movie. Well, originally I did, which is what I was saying, and then the reviews were so low that I didn't. That he didn't. Um, and I wanted to see the movie because uh, of Cooper. my husband. And, <laughs> and it was a really good movie. And so there you go. Um, just because of Rotten Tomatoes doesn't mean you shouldn't go and see it. Well, I want to... Oh, go ahead, Heathen. You want to say anything more oh, about no, it? no, I was going to... 
Go jump into your porn. No, because I want to say more about this. So Cameron Crowe says that people misunderstand this movie. And it's like, he wrote and directed this movie. And it's based on a lot of real life experiences, like a lot of his films. Um, It does have a lot of misses for me. There's one scene in the film that almost makes me hate the film completely. But I hate it so much that I just want to take that scene and put it on YouTube and like fuck with it. But I I don't know if some of the things they did in the movie were on purpose or by accident, but I really liked it. So here's some examples. Some of the relationships in the movie to me weren't believable based on a Hollywood formula of, oh, they went and did this and now they fell in love and now they did this and now he's going to do that. So when I'm thinking about it from a movie script or a formula stereotype, it wasn't believable. But then when I thought about it, I was like, I know a lot of people that have done that, that have like gone hiking in the forest and then decided to get married or whatever the fuck, just because that's how people are. They're not rational. We always accuse movies of being unrealistic because they're irrational. Well, fucking people in real life are irrational. Um, The... I, I liked the, some people may, I haven't really read the review. Some people may have not liked the Bradley Cooper character because he was kind of an asshole. And also the first scene with him and, um, and, uh, Ben Affleck's wife. What's her name? Well, no, who was, no, it wasn't Ben Affleck. Who, who was the other chick in it besides Emma Stone? Oh, I can't remember anyway, her name, but it was pretty yeah, awkward. It was Ben Affleck's wife. Oh, it was her. Jennifer Garner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So they had a pretty awkward scene in the beginning, and it was sort of awkward throughout the movie. But I was like, you know, a lot of relationships are like that. A lot of relationships are awkward. Yeah, I mean. um, But they hadn't seen each other in like 10 years. I actually, and I I like the way they played these characters against each other, whether it was realistic to us or not. To me, a lot of it was stuff I've seen in real life. So it it really, to me, adjusted. To me, it addressed relationships in a way I've not seen addressed in a lot of movies and I liked it because things are can mm-hmm. be complicated like at the end and this is sort of the movie cliche at the end Bradley Cooper's character for most of the movie seems like that he's to me this is my interpretation is still in love with Jennifer Gardner have been in love with her the whole time just couldn't really commit kind of just fucks Emma Stone just as a distraction then decides that um Jennifer Gardner, who is married to um, the guy from The Office. uh, uh, Anyway, um, he decides, like, okay, her life is doing okay. I need to stop messing with it. Like, we both probably could be together and be happy, but she's got kids and all this bullshit, like, and she can be happy. Like, you can still have feelings for someone but not be in love with them kind of thing. I don't know. I, I really liked a lot of the undertones that were that were in the film. For me, it was more of the relationship ended without any closure. Yeah, because there was of... no feelings, but it there was no closure. And that's important. Closure is important. There was no feelings. But they just need to be like, oh, hey. at the end of the film or the beginning? No, in the beginning. There was no, there was never any closure. Well, yeah, there was feelings, I think, in the beginning. There just was no closure. I didn't, I didn't get that. I just felt like there was no closure between the two because that's what they said. That's what she said. Uh, the relationship was over because you didn't meet me. Yeah, which doesn't mean there wasn't any feelings. 
after 10 years, there's no feelings. Well, without closure, there could be. Hmm. Or there could be artificial feelings. Really, closure is important. I know That would be closure. I know a lot of women need closure, but I think men need closure sometimes too. It's it's really hard to go on without... That's why they had the talk in the kitchen. Yeah, but that was after 10 years, like you're saying. You're saying there was that's no feelings the in the meantime. Yeah. They needed closure. There wasn't feelings. Anyways. But that's my take. <laughs> I was giving you my take. Aloha. My porn parody is all no bra. My porn... Oh. Do you have one? All ho bra. Mine is a hora. <laughs> From Star Trek. <laughs> I can't wait till we get to Matt's uh, Tomorrowland one. It's on par of heathen. I'm pretty sure I'm winning. I'm pretty sure I'm winning. If you'd like to vote on our porn parody selections, please call in to our hotline. Um, which is 775-996-3986. Get us on Twitter. I'm trying to to get the Twitter going. That's at Potable Pictures. Or just send us a regular email, potablepictureshow at gmail.com. Next film, it was the last film we talked about, Tomorrowland with George Clooney and Britt Robertson. Britt Robertson was in that Mm -hmm. rodeo. You missed one. Oh, did I? Oh, Avengers Age of Ultron. Thank you, Heathen. You are a great fact checker. Age of Ultron is currently at number six as far as Wednesday. It has made four hundred thirty million. No, that's thousand. I don't know how to read these numbers. Anyway, that doesn't matter. From Buena Vista, it is at seventy four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. We've talked about this movie quite a bit. Um, I do have some things I can still add to Age of Ultron Avengers. Um. One thing is that this film, as many people may have known, may have may know, is nearly wiped out Joss Whedon, which we kind of talked about with Star Wars, how certain people didn't want to take on the film Star Wars. But then I was really thinking about it and putting myself in this place. So, you know, like that little kid um, that played the little baby Anakin in the episode one, Phantom Menace. He had to retire from acting, basically. Same thing with the dude from Terminator 2. Imagine if you made a shitty Star Wars film. You would not be able to go in. you probably get death threats. So that's a lot of pressure. Avengers isn't on the same level, but he filmed this for over a year. He lived on set. He actually has kids, so it's not like he's just, you know... You can get away from your wife sometimes. It's a little bit harder to get away from your kids. And even getting away from your wife at times is hard because basically she'll be gone when you come back. That's what happens with a lot of these rock stars. So he lived on set just dealing with this. What else do I want to say about this movie? Um, Apparently the next film in the Marvel series, the Captain America Civil War, will basically be an extension of Avengers. I'm looking forward to that. Wouldn't call, well, Avengers Age of Ultron was a spinoff, but I'm going to go back to the original Avengers, which really wasn't a sequel or a spinoff, but sometimes sequels usually always suck or whatever. I was like, it doesn't have to be always suck because a lot of times the first movie is just setting up these goddamn characters. And my point was Avengers could never have happened if none of these films had their solo films first. Like you had to set up all this shit just so you could jump into Avengers, which then again was 
how do they get along? Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't think of anything new about Age of Ultron. Still, I, I'm judging it based on what I thought it could have been instead of what it was. And I think if I saw it again, I'd probably like it more. It was one of those movies, yeah, there was a lot going on that could have been toned down, but could it have really been toned down for them to be able to do what they want to do with this franchise? Probably not. The next Avengers movie coming out will be directed by the same team that did Winter Soldier. They will be doing Civil War from Captain America. They will be doing the next Avengers will be a two-part movie, the Infinity Gauntlet or something, which will come out in 2016 and 2017. Apparently, the Winter Soldier had one of the most um, on-screen, what do you call them? Not bloopers, but um, fuck-ups, like where you see Mike stands and continuity shit. Uh, This is what reminded me of the Star Wars. Joss Whedon says he feels like he cannot do another Star Wars, or uh, sorry, Avengers film, because he cannot do more than what he did with Age of Ultron, that everything will be smaller. And that's sort of the reason John Favreau, who did the first two Iron Man movies, walked away. He's like, I can't, I can't, I don't think I can improve. Yeah. Like, I've set the standard, and now everything's going to be a disappointment, and people are going to hate me, and I'm going to lose jobs. Heathen, Age of Ultron. Do you have anything to say? I think we need to move on to the, the porn parodies, because we're not even halfway through the movies. Mine is... Not a great one. Not a proud one. Avengers: Age of Blotron. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> I think there is an Avengers porn. But anything come to mind, Matt? Mine was very similar. Heathen. Oh, Matt. Avengers: Gay of Holtron. <laughs> gay of 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 Holtron. Holtron yeah. I like that. Gave Holtron. <laughs> Ready? Yeah. Age of Strap-ons. Avengers Age of Strap-ons? Just Age of Age of Strap-ons. Just Age of Strap-ons, no Avengers. <laughs> nope. So would they, all the all the Strap-ons have different powers? Yes. I would hate to see the Hulk Strap-on. <laughs> I know, right? I'm going to bound you. Or like the Thor Strap-on. Don't make me angry. The, the Thor, the Thor, oh my gosh. the Thor strap on only yeah. the worthy could pick up. <laughs> okay, now to number five, Tomorrowland, um, with Brett Robertson and George Clooney. Um, we talked about this last week. I don't have a whole lot to add. Oh, this is by the way, forty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes currently, which is basically what I get. I gave it a five. Um, just as far as it was very flatline, not a bad movie, not a good movie. Just you can go in there and you can want, you can't really pick anything out bad about it. It's just very vanilla. When, 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 when he then talks about, um, 50 shades of gray, this is how I feel about Tomorrowland. It was like 50 shades of technology. Like, okay, I'm not offended. I'm not turned on. I'm just like, I can go along I on this ride. I think that's so funny that he compares me talking about 50 shades of gray to this movie because I totally feel that way. Like Um <laughs> Especially did- with my feeling my posting on Facebook about the females want a 50 shades of gray sex life and they can't even handle a 
a finger in the butt. Which I wish, I wish Sorry. beer make, or uh, I wish a Manila Mike was here, both for the Aloha, talking about living in Hawaii, and also uh, if he could talk about putting the fingers of the butt in Chinese prostitutes, which he said they didn't like. <laughs> Tomorrowland, I don't think I have a whole lot to add to. Um, as we talked about before, as a, even though it's geared for kids, there's a lot of children's and kids' movies that still amaze me i am one of my biggest movies i'm looking forward to is inside out by pixar which is a kids movie um up i think was one of the most powerful introductions or beginning first 10 minutes of any film i bought that movie um and just i don't be- buy movies uh i've talked about not on the podcast but i've talked about the harry potter books not the films I wouldn't read them, but I have read parts of them, and I think this is very good writing for a kid's book. If I was a kid, I could tell I would love this. There's a lot of action and adjective words. Tomorrowland just did not capture that magic or imagination to me. It was an okay movie as a kid. I don't know. I I might have even been scared of it if I was a, a young enough kid, but I just... I was re- for, for George Clooney and Disney, the combination, I was looking for a lot more, and I ended up with a mostly flaccid penis. What do you think, Matt? Anything to add that we didn't talk about last week? For me, it was more of a, a road trip movie, more of a, or less, or as opposed to what I thought it was going to be, which is more about, you know, these cool gadgets and futuristic things, and it was just kind of a disappointment. Heathen, you did not see this movie, as far as I know. Anything you want to add, or you just want to jump right into the porn? I'm ready to move to the porn parody. I'm going to use the same porn parody I used last week, which was To Swallow Land. I'm waiting for Matt's, which is very amusing to me. Tom or Roland. Oh, no. I got this. I got this. To Moherland. Oh, so it's like a uh, a shave fetish film. (laughs) Yeah, or no, that it I, could be a lot of things. Okay, it could. Yeah, it's I misread titles. that. One. It's just titles. Well, no, titles are it what could get be a people. A lot of things. It could be a lot of. Okay, things. so what is to it's mow her land about, Helen? Anything you want it to be. That was your answer to the last one. You're getting less and less useful. <laughs> no, I just, I love it. Just. Look at the title and go with your imagination. Well, my imagination was my just imagination like I said. Is completely different. Well, than apparently yours. to you, because yeah. your version of Fifty Shades of Grey involves killing someone. <laughs> you don't have a pure orgasm unless you cut their throat. Um, Thank you. Gross. Number four, Pitch Perfect Two from Universal. This was a highly <laughs> anticipated film from Heathen. Uh, I'm not going to go into the figures anymore because they're confusing to me. We did see this film on Sunday. We saw Pitch Perfect 2 and then went bowling. It's the first time I've been bowling in about 15 years. I did come in last place out of six people. And we Um, had a good time. I did have a good time. It was very rare. I had fun bowling. I tried out a couple things while I was bowling that was different for me. So did Matt. Oh, yeah. Matt tried uh, laying on the ground while, do- while bowling. No. <laughs> Matt tried bowling on his back. 
<laughs> I fell and turned around, and they were all talking, not paying any attention to me. So I just said, all right, I'll just... <laughs> See, that was different for me, and it's part of the reason I enjoyed this bowling experience. So for me, as I was trying to think about the last time I tried to seriously bowl, because for me, I never really liked bowling, so I tried... Okay, i got to go back up further. I've been going to bowling alleys since I was like three or four years old. Both of my parents were in bowling leagues. My dad has a bunch of bowling trophies. I've been bowling since I was like four years old, just rolling up between my legs before I could pick up a ball. I remember getting strikes when I was like four years old. So as I got older, I would try to do, I just thought it was so super boring. So I would try to do things like throwing behind the back and between the legs and things like that. And then I do remember trying to serious bowl again when I was older and I didn't do very well. I didn't even break a hundred, much like this game. And then I went, <laughs> and then I went back to doing the, the fun stuff. But um, anyway, I forgot on the, on the track I was going with. I, I, I semi-tried to serious bowl this way. I told Heathen, I said, I tried to show how easy bowling is without going through all the form. So I tried to like break down the mechanics to like the, the most easiest things without being flashy. And I did super shitty. Like I said, I got in last place. The fun part is being flashy. <laughs> is picking up the spares. No, I mean and and no, that putting part, spins on the ball and picking up and I I realized that uh picking Robert up a, knows how to play. Picking up a 910 split and stuff does take skill. So mm-hmm. that part does take it does take skill. And it's fun. As far as just getting a strike every time is similar to to me to playing like it on the Wii. And it's that's not that fun hard. too. Really? Um, Playing it on the fucking Wii is completely different. Anyway, I think it's not that hard to get a stri- uh, strike every time. I mean, I we used to really? do things. Then we used to do things. Do we used to do things like try to like bowl on like two lanes at once that were not in your lane and things like that. Again, I'm making myself like I'm an awesome bowler. Again, I got last place. Just to put this into context. Okay, so moving on to the movie. So that was our. Oh, we had. Anyway, so we saw Pitch Perfect two. This was a sequel to the first Pitch Perfect, which, uh, talking about surprise films, this was somewhat of a surprise film. The first one, when it came out, people did not, again, these 60-year-old male studio execs do not account for other things. Pitch Perfect 1 did not have a huge budget. It was not expected to do very well, and it was a huge success. A lot of it based on cups, not just the... uh, uh, what do you call it? The the gimmick of the the cups part, but actually the song. Well, she came up with the, yeah. as a pretty good earworm. Mm-hmm. Um, Fat Amy, she had been in other or uh, Rebel Wilson had been in other films before, but I think this was her breakout. I think that's probably what got her her TV her show. Yeah, it was a good film. It was a supposed to be a feminist strength film, just like this one. But it, but I liked it, and I wanted to see this one as well. I mean, I'm not going to go see Magic Mike XXL or whatever, but I did want to see Pitch Perfect 2. Uh, the new song that they came out with, whatever song it was, mm-hmm. we'll see if it catches on. I'm it won't sure be. A, it, it won't. Will. It won't be as good as Cups. It was a good song, but not no, as Cups. The is... Cups song that was very catchy, mm-hmm. but um, we'll see. I think it will because well, I can't even remember. It was the um, I w- the leaving or yeah, I really liked two bottles the song. of whiskey and everything. Yeah, um, I really liked it. Flashlight song. Yeah, the flashlight song. There you go. That was the new one. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think it'll. Sign. I think it'll. I, if they would have changed it to Fleshlight, going on to Heathens <laughs> porn parody. Apparently, I wish we had Robert on this podcast. Apparently, he knew a lot about Pitch Perfect, uh, as he was he sat next to me, uh, handsome Rob or whatever his podcast name is, even though he hasn't been here. Um, this movie was big in, in in multiple ways. Bigger, they were on a national spotlight. They were performing in front of the president. But also, in terms of just practically, in the first one, the director t- called out, uh, she played Gail in the film. I can't remember her real name. Ro- Handsome Rob's the one that called her out. We just, we had her name right there. In the uh, in the original film, she calls out there, like, they, they did, uh, I saw the sign like four times because we didn't have rights to any any songs. They said in this film, we had rights to like 50 songs. Um, Jesse J, who wrote a song for the first film, or was part of the first film, wrote a song specifically for this film. I don't know if it was the Fleshlight song or not. It was just a huge, a, a much bigger movie. Mm-hmm. Now, the question is, Heathen, since you really did like the first film, which did you like better? Well, um, I was talking to Terry, um, an organizer from another group. She used to be an organizer for this group. Well, she was. Uh, yeah. She was the first assistant organizer. First, she was one of the first members. Member Heathen likes to say member. It feels good on our tongue. It's because I work for a credit union, and we're not supposed to call. Heathen, I asked you a question. I'm killing time while you formulate an answer. I don't want to hear about members. I want to hear about which film you prefer. Being a pitch-perfect connoisseur, one or two, did you like the smaller, formal uh, one with where um, Anna Kendrick, we got to know her, we got to love her? Or do you like the second one where everything's on a bigger scale? Well, what we were talking about is we'd like to watch them back-to-back. Because I think if you watch them back to back, then it's actually both of them together. But that's how the first one, the first one, hands down, is better than the second one because of the SmackDown. Like the the singing SmackDown is way better. In which one? The first one. The first one. I agree. Absolutely. I agree. Absolutely. And they also did have uh, the pentatonics. They had a lot of like um, expert, actual, real acapella singers in this film that weren't in the original. I don't have anything good for. I have the obvious for oh, 65% for Pitch Perfect 2. I have the obvious go to for Pitch Perfect 2, which is Bitch Perfect 2 or Bitch Perfect also. <laughs> I don't know where else you can go. I have to wait for you guys because you guys operate on an alien field when it comes to these. <laughs> bitch perfect i think you can't get better than that i think you bitch might, perfect i think you might like mine okay shit a perfect two <laughs> goes along with the german theme i think i still have it <laughs> yeah I, I, i'm waiting a bitch twerk it too Ah, not bad. Okay. Not bad. Um, are they gonna twerk while the while they're fucking? 
Well, it's kind of close. I came in like a wrecking ball. Think about it. I'm going to twerk and the wrecking ball. Okay, it's a I can't lot of things really, going on. I don't on. know. Yeah. You have high concept porn. I think that's what you should go into. <laughs> all right. Number three, I think all of us talked about before, Mad Max Fury Road. I'm not, I don't even think, oh, I did change my porn parody title for this one a little bit. This is number three. Same thing. I don't have a whole lot to add as far as last week. Um, it is still, oh, it is currently 98% still on Rotten Tomatoes because oftentimes that number goes down. This is It's kind of weird. It's sort of like horror movies. A lot of these horror movies come out and they get like 98%, 95%, and then the horror fans hate them. So I think that's some with... Mad Max is some people are like I don't I don't get it I don't get what's so great about it ninety eight percent literally I have nothing to add to uh, Mad Max Fury Road I still like it I'd like to see it again Matt and I talked about last week that we both would would like to see it again on like the the best biggest screen with the best audio available this is a film that you need to see on the big screen if you're if you're someone that need that waits for video. Out of all these pictures we're going to go over. That would be the one to see. That would be number one and then on possibly Mad Age of IMAX. Ultron. Yeah. Just yeah. just see it on the best this, theater available This to is you. the movie I was looking forward to the most this summer. And it didn't disappoint, which is rare for something that you're expecting to be good to actually be good. You know what's happening? This this film is ninety seven percent action, so you can see it again. You you could see it probably three times. Um, also, as far as the filmmakers go, I think it was also intentional that Charlie's Theron was sort of the focus in a way, is sort of a Mad Max surrogate. That Max has always been sort of a primal character or a at least as far as I can remember, he's just been living to survive. So you kind of needed someone to come in and have a more of a motivation. You can't just have another guy running away trying to live film. So they had Charlize Theron trying to protect these female characters in the film, which gave this film a feminist slant, which a lot of these men went and boycotted, which I thought was stupid. But I, you know, whatever Tom Hardy does, he's never done anything other than Bane. I didn't like some of the stuff he did with Bane. Everything else he's done, I think he's one of the best actors that's out right now. Between him and um, Benedict Cumberbatch. But Tom Hardy, like, he's he's amazing to me. Yeah, I mean, this movie, he barely had any speaking lines. Yeah. It was mostly... Grunting yeah. and surviving. Yeah. Even anything to add to Mad Max, or you just want to jump into your porn? I'm ready. Well, I changed mine a little bit. I changed it to Shag Max Fury Load. Matt? I don't even remember what my, my old one was. Haven? Uh, just Furry Chode. Furry Chode? Mm-hmm. God, you've got like a really weird... What's the name of your porn company? <laughs> Fucked up porn. <laughs> my name, my name of my porn company is Genghis Cox Presents. <laughs> Genghis Cox Productions. So number two, this one will be interesting. This is the film that beer maker Matt hosted on the last Tuesday. Heathen and I have not seen this movie. 
This is San Andreas from Warner Brothers, starring The Rock, choking uh, earthquakes into submission. As Matt mentioned on previous podcasts, he is big into apocalypse films, but more on the, I think, kind of the Mad Max side of the world's already over, not necessarily the world being started, you know, the process. So I'm curious to see this. This movie has generally gotten good good reviews. It is at 50 percent right now on Rotten Tomatoes. Matt, what do you have to say about San Andreas being the only person in the room that's seen it? It was entertaining. I'll give it that. But it was one of those things that they they went so far cheesy with a lot of stuff um, that they should have gone just a little bit farther, and it actually would have made the movie better. But they. They uh, they had just enough to just make it. Uh, so overall, laugh. or just certain scenes? No, overall. I mean, we were pretty much well. At least I was laughing pretty much most of the way through the movie, just because of how ridiculous some of the stuff was. So was it like a high budget sci fi film, sci fi channel? Uh, yeah, yeah, even more so. Yeah. How about the acting and the characters? How was The Rock? Because the reason I almost I almost went to see it that night, especially because I love it when other people host films. I like just showing up and just going in. I love The Rock. Um, I just wasn't sure how much of I didn't. I don't know how much I wanted to see The Rock just like run around and say like "Get out of the way." Or I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what happened in the movie. Was it was the acting good? Were the characters good? Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, I mean, the two main characters were pretty good. Um, yeah, even some of the. Kind of like the tier two characters were actually pretty good as well. So what was your favorite part of the movie? Scene or or acting or... Let's just say favorite scene or favorite element. What was best about this film? Uh, There was a lot of cheesy lines in it. Okay. I like cheesy lines. Rock's good at cheesy lines. Yeah. And again, it was... There was was some... If you're going to do cheesy lines, you got to do the... The easy ones. So they set up a lot of cheesy lines and then just fell short. That's kind of... So could have Arnold have done the rock? Yeah, part? that's what I was yeah. thinking. He's a, a replacement for Arnold. I wouldn't say he's a replacement because I think he's better than Arnold, but... Arnold. Well, Arnold is getting old, so they need something newer. Just Well, the thing is, is that the rock just has more personality and more... Range, yeah. but oh, yeah. I love Arnold. Arnold's my probably my favorite action star of all time. Hmm. So this has been this is probably well actually no that's not true. There's maybe two or three movies that The Rock has done that I you know just didn't enjoy at all. Oh yeah, he had a bad streak. So um, was Paul Giamatti the the second character or was it like a chick or something? Because Paul Giamatti is a great actor. He can do. I just recently watched the Amy Schumer show and he had a sketch where he carried it. It's like it's really interesting seeing great actors right. do throwaway comedy parts and still do a great job. And I know he was was he the second character you're talking about or was it someone else? No, yeah, he's only in a few ca- a few scenes. Um, the kind of Rock's ex wife. Um, mm. Was the the other main character, um, and then his daughter, and then her her two companions. So it was kind of two storylines going on at the same time, and they you know meet at the end, kind of. 
So, would you recommend... Is this a movie that you have to see on the big screen to enjoy? I would assume, or is it just not that good that you can wait to see it on Netflix and still just not enjoy it just for the fact of seeing it? There's a lot of stuff going on that, you know, being on the big screen would definitely probably make it more enjoyable, but it's a lot of stuff. So it, it I, you definitely don't need to see it. You're not missing much um, by, you know, seeing it on your, your home entertainment center because there's a lot of action, but it, it's not. a lot of background action. All right. So San Andreas, my porn parody is Suck Andreas. <laughs> Probably doesn't make sense within the context of the movie. I don't know how sucking Andreas will prevent earthquakes and aftershocks. Ooh, maybe it's a guy that just keeps coming and um, he has just, it just keeps coming like after, like a volcano. Um, I don't, and then you have to suck it and swallow it to prevent it from swamping the U.S. I don't <laughs> Starring the cock, of course. Matt? Sandra Leas. All right. Heathen? <laughs> Sandy Anus. God, what is wrong with you? Finally, we have an ass out of Heathen, which she always has to bring up. But Can I see your face? Sandy Anus is... Why are all your porns always on a theme that involves pain, discomfort, um, ridicule? Because um, that's how I like it. Okay. Now that you listeners know, we are finally to number one. This is not number one overall, but number one as of Wednesday. This is a newcomer to the scene. This is Entourage. The film version of Entourage, it was number one at the box office on Wednesday. It is the day it debuted. It made uh, $5 million that day and $5 million overall because that's the day it came out. Everyone knows Entourage, the HBO film. People have asked me, did I ever watch Entourage? And I guiltily say, yes, I think I've seen every episode. (laughs) Uh, I hated watching Entourage. I think it's a horrible show. To me, Entourage was the male version of Sex in the City. It was all about promoting the wrong values, um, material or um, superficial women and materialistic values. But I still enjoyed the show for for little things. I liked people i like the cameos i like people playing themselves um i liked seth green playing himself i liked val kilmer not playing himself but playing like a drug uh, hippie i love bob saget played himself in a great way as this huge sexual asshole uh eminem in in many of his roles uh played himself being an ass entourage I enjoyed watching as a show, and it always left me feeling empty. From what I've read, the film is a extended version of an episode. So nothing more to... So the, the way I kind of felt about the second X-Files movie. It wasn't a movie. It was just a, an extended episode. 
Nothing to add, nothing to gain. The previews I saw from Entourage made me want to see it. But from what I heard is the preview was basically the best parts of the movie. It was just a shit ton of cameos and nothing really to the film. Matt, I'm assuming you didn't see the film? No, I really haven't seen any of the TV show. Other, I did watch the Cadillac commercial last night. Well, I might call out three episodes out of the six seasons or whatever's on that you could watch. But other than that, no, it's not a super great show. There are comedic elements to it that are kind of funny but overall like i said it's a it's a fucking it's a bro version of sex in the city heathen i have not seen anything about this at all so my porn parody of entourage i have not oh 31 percent right now i assume it will be lower but that's about right i'm assuming it's gonna end 27 28 I did not change the name. I am changing my porn parody of Entourage is still Entourage. Matt? Uh, all I had was on her Hodge. Or, I was trying to think of something other than Hodge. but On her Hodge? Yeah. Like John Hodgman? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, really, I really... I think... My calling is naming. I'm glad you think that's your calling because I don't think anyone else will. Maybe the Germans. Kunturage. Kunturage. That's not bad. That's probably the best thing you've ever come up with. Kunturage. Um, and I should have named the characters. You don't think... Far inside, far inside Madison's row, isn't good. That's a wonderful cock. <laughs> Another example of Heathen's porn parodies. That was her porn parody of "It's a Wonderful Life," yeah. which <laughs> that's good too. Actually, now that I've had a couple Negronis in me, isn't that's so great. Bad. That's a wonderful cock. The real porn parody for that title was "Tits Tits a Porn." It's a wonderful life, but it's a wonderful cock isn't so bad. You'd have to go back and listen to that episode to see all of Heathen's hit mix, most of which involved ass and anal and colons. And stretching the ass. The five. My favorite things about Summer in Reno, and then I'm going to ask the other people on the panel their favorite thing about summertime or Summer in Reno. I'm going to go from 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 5 being the uh, lower end of the pyramid and 1 being the pinnacle of the pyramid. So going from the cake to the cream. Number 5, my fifth favorite thing about Reno is the Best in the West rib cook-off. It is a time to gather up, eat some ribs, and hang out, and there's some live music. The reason it's my number five and not my number one is it's rather expensive. I more enjoy the unvet than the ribs. I do enjoy the ribs, but it is just a little pricey. You mind? You like the meat sweats? Oh, I love meat sweats. My number four, and this is probably the next event coming up, is the Barbecue Brews and Blues Festival in Midtown. This is a little bit cheaper. This is more of an event you could probably show up and not spend as much money to. Um, it is number four. Actually, I should probably 
list them all. Oh, well, it's too late now. And then say why. Number three is in my superhero crawl. Reno has a lot of bar crawls. Out of all the bar crawls, the superhero crawl may be my favorite. Number two, Biggest Little City Wing Fest. Very similar to the Barbecue Brews and Blues, but it involves wings, which is one of my favorite things. And number one is Art Town, which has a lot of events that goes on, but it has a lot of music events that I really like. Now, the thing that I should have pointed out, or I'm going to point out now, if I was in another city, another country, something else, my top five would be entirely different. Normally, my summer top five would include the beach, the river, the lake, um, weather. All of mine in Reno include events because we do not have a ocean. Our river is consistently low. Our best lake is Tahoe. Not which- consistently well, in the last three years I've been here. And Tahoe is one of the six wonder- wonders Okay, of the world. as I was going to get to it, before Ethan, Ethan interrupted me, mm-hmm. is I did not include Tahoe because it's not part of Reno. A lot of people do include Tahoe as one of their favorite parts of, of Reno, but it is a completely different place. That's like people in Sacramento saying their favorite part of Sacramento is San Francisco. Um, events, I think this is probably the first city I've ever lived in that my top five would only be events. Now, beer maker Matt or Heathen, what is your favorite things about summer or favorite things about Reno in the summer? Either one. Yeah, probably my my top ones are going to be the events as well. Um, I was going to just lump them all together, but I, I would say the rib cook-off is probably at the top of the list as well as the... Uh, the wing wing fest is is pretty good too. Now there are a lot, whole lot of other events. There's a hot August nights. There's the street vibrations. Yep. There's a whole lot of events I left out. I just put my top. And Heathen, for some reason, is shaking her head again. Well, because can you just let him talk and tell his events? Because mm-hmm. otherwise, what are other people going to talk about? All right, beer maker Matt, go ahead and finish with what you're saying. Yeah, so mainly the events. Um, I do like the the hills and the mountains around. It's probably one of my favorite things. Just to be able to walk out my door and be able to walk up a mountain is probably one of my favorite things. And you can't really do that in the winter because it's a little. There's not a lot of tree and coverage in a lot of the the Reno area up in the hills, so it's kind of muddy and mucky. Um, so it's better hiking conditions in the summertime yeah, oh yeah for sure and even though the river is kind of low it's one of my favorite things is to go down and, and see all the um things that are going down in the river since i am a, a people watcher uh, a lot of the, the college <laughs> students and um you know, people from reno like to go down to the river on the weekends and hang out so matt's talking about peeping <laughs> Mud wrestling, female peeping. And of course, uh, movies. There's a lot of. That is true. Art Town is numero uno for me. All right, let's go into Last Call. Last Call! Looking at the world through the bottom of a glass. All I see is a man who's fading last call so next week we'll be seeing the film spy starring melissa mccarthy also has jude law and jason statham 
Interesting. Uh, Jason Statham has some rumors about being in uh, the Netflix Daredevil season two. But he also just said that Marvel films are shitty because no one does their own stunts and it's all CGI. Which means he should fit right in with Daredevil because that is almost no... The one of the things I liked about Daredevil was the practical fighting scenes. It was very Asian cinema as far as that goes. If you want to send in comments or questions or topics, you can hit us in multiple ways. Don't forget, we do have uh, email, potablepictureshow at gmail.com. You can reach us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at potablepictures. And we do have a recorded line where you can leave messages or questions, 775-996-3986. That is 775-996-3986. I do not have anything else to promote other than Spy will be our next film. Be your maker, Matt. Nope, I was looking forward to Spy, but I'll, I'll catch it when I get back. It has It's fairly high in Rotten Tomatoes right now, among, uh, above the 90% tile. So. Heathen, any last words? No, that's fine. All right, and playing us out this week, our outro music per usual is no effects. Until next week when we talk about Spy and talk about Heathen's gradually sullen mood, keep it wet, everybody. All my neighbors are fast asleep and I can't find anything to drink. Mackenzie's drank all the great alcohol, so I'm headed down the street to first call.
problem with Nora Jones is you take her out on a walk and she licks so much and licks the blanket and everything because sometimes she gets like a fiber in her butt and the poop won't come out and it's just hanging there like a pinata. <laughs> yeah, she was sitting behind you licking the pillow. We'll just have to add. Eventually it'll be a story. 